Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Much of the globe is dealing with scorching and record-breaking heat right now. Scientists say the first two weeks of July were probably the hottest two-week period on record. Often the highest temperatures are found in cities with their lack of shade and abundance of heat-absorbing buildings and asphalt. For a few years now, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, has been working with cities around the country to map out their heat islands and to come up with local solutions. Volunteers are getting ready right now to fan out across the Portland metro area as part of this effort. We're going to get three perspectives on this right now. Draisha Brannon, an artist and civil engineer, is one of the volunteer data collectors for Multnomah County. Kathleen Johnson is a senior program coordinator at Washington County Public Health. And Morgan Zabo is the community heat and health information coordinator for NOAA. Welcome to all three of you. Hi, Dave. Thanks. Uh, so, Morgan Zabo, first, I want to start with the big picture. Just how deadly is extreme heat? Yeah, that's a great question. Extreme heat kills more Americans each year than any other weather-rated event, and that's something not a lot of people know. And the CDC also estimate that there's an average of 702 people that die each year from heat-related illnesses, and we know that's also an undercount. So it's definitely a deadly event, and we also refer to it as a silent killer because we don't see the impacts as clearly as a hurricane or tornado, which makes it even more scary. Why? I mean, what makes heat so deadly? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways that it impacts our body. So we know that when you're hot, you sweat, and that makes you lose fluids and electrolytes. And in addition, heat makes your blood vessels dilate to increase sweating. So together, all of these things can drop your blood pressure, sometimes enough to make you dizzy and pass out. And so all of these things together can lead to heat-related illnesses like heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and the very serious heat stroke. Dresha, why did you want to volunteer to take part in this effort? I've been volunteering with the county and a couple other community orgs for the last few years. Um, I'm a born and raised Portlander, and I've just noticed in the last few years how hot it has been. I never grew up with air conditioning. Family still doesn't have air conditioning. Grandma doesn't have air conditioning. So when it was really hot during our heat dome event, I saw how it affected my family and how kind of we had to be use some ingenuity to figure out about how to be cool and finding air conditioners when there was a shortage of them, you know, piled on top of wildfires and air quality. Um, so if I could help in some way with the city and government and infrastructure in providing resources, um, which means sometimes it's just showing the data. So being a part of this mapping project gave me kind of the opportunity to do that, um, being part of the mapping campaign where hopefully that data can be used to help provide resources and equip our cities with an idea of where to put resources. How did that the, the heat dome in particular affect your, your family or loved ones? My parents did not have an air conditioning uh, unit. The, our panel wasn't really equipped to it. So my dad made a, a homemade filter or air conditioner with a styrofoam box, some ice, a box fan. And he was really happy with his at-home air conditioning 
um, kind of system at home. Uh, my grandma still refuses to use some of the air conditioners that we found for her because there's a lot of great programs out there for air conditioning units and then offer up and things like that. But it was like finding that resource quickly when everybody else was doing that in our neighborhood. Um, I now have air conditioning, but growing up, I, I didn't have it. Um, heat pumps and finding different ways to do that aren't super cost effective either. Um, so when you live in old houses that Portland has, or if you're in a multifamily residence, sometimes uh, air conditioners are not super accessible. So it was something that myself, my friend, my family, we were all experiencing. Kathleen Johnson, how much public interest have you seen in this mapping project? Yeah. Hi. Thanks, Dave. Um, we've received so much interest, which has been really great. Uh, we had about 20 participants uh, take place in four volunteer trainings. And when we collect data on Saturday, we'll be working with about 120 of those um, original volunteers that expressed interest. But the public interest has been enormous, and it's been really exciting uh, to see that. What exactly are volunteers going to be doing on Saturday? Yeah, volunteers are going to be, uh, well, first, they're going to be paired up. So we have drivers and navigators, and they're going to be paired up. They're going to be going out onto uh, about 45 different routes throughout the three counties, Clackamas, Multnomah, and Washington County. They'll be driving those routes. Uh, three times during the day, once in the early morning, once in the mid-afternoon, and then once in the evening. Um, and they'll have sensors attached to their passenger side window. And with those sensors, air temperature data is going to be collected, location data will be collected, as well as humidity data. And then what will you do when you get all of that data together? Yeah, so that's the collecting part is really exciting, but then I think what we do with the data is also going to be really exciting and I think um, hopefully really encouraging. But what we'll do with the data that we get is that we will get a, um, a map and a report from the um, consulting firm that helps to coordinate these events, CAFA Strategies. And with that, we'll be working with local partners um, as well as the three county public health departments involved in this project to um, really adapt, I think, and look at policy changes, as well as um, response changes to response plans on how we can better support neighborhoods that we're seeing as the hottest um, with that data. Morgan Zabo, as you've just heard, there there has been a lot of interest in uh, the Tri-County area here, Multnomah, Clackamas, Washington counties, for this effort. Uh, as, of course, you know, Oregon saw a deadly heat dome just two years ago that killed 69 people just in Multnomah County, hundreds in the Pacific Northwest, making this issue painfully real here. Has it been harder to get people in other cities to pay attention to heat islands. And I'm thinking in particular of places maybe where they just feel like they're used to heat and a little bit hotter weather seems like less of a big deal. So that's a really great question. And I will say in the over the past two years, we have seen such an increase in the number of cities that apply for our program. I think like what you said, so many, so many more cities are seeing these increases in heat waves, increases in temperatures over longer periods of times, and especially paired with the increases in emergency department visits related to heat 
a lot of people are starting to pay more attention to this issue. And even places that are more typically hot are applying for our program too. I mean, one of those places is Sedona, Arizona. They uh, were the first city for the 2023 mapping group that went. And again, a place that that faces increasing temperatures uh, over much of the year. And so it's been really great to see more communities uh, taking interest in this program. But also this mapping campaign program is such a great educational tool for the cities and, and not just for the volunteers, but also for the local decision makers, the local organizations that are involved to really understand how heat is impacting their community by having this data that really outlines the different neighborhoods that are hotter and also really looking into why the communities are hotter. It's striking that you mentioned Sedona um, because folks may have heard just today about Phoenix setting a new record with 19 days in a row of at least 110 degree heat. So you're saying even in places where very hot summers are the norm, there has been a change in public perception about heat. Absolutely. And it's also important to know that you know, it's it's only going to be getting hotter in the world that we're headed in our future. And so making sure that we're taking these actions now and not waiting until 10, 20 years down the road is so important. I should remind folks, if you're just tuning in, we are talking about efforts to map potentially dangerous urban heat islands in the Portland area this Saturday as part of a nationwide NOAA-led effort that is both in this country and in cities around the world. We're talking with Draisha Brannan, who is a volunteer with Multnomah County, Morgan Zabo, Community Heat and Health Information Coordinator for NOAA, and Kathleen Johnson, Senior Program Coordinator at Washington. Washington County Public Health. Kathleen, there are a lot of things that we already know from years of experience, and also the recent work locally of people like Vivek Shandas, who's been a guest on this show a number of times, a professor at PSU who's focused on heat islands and shade equity, things like a lack of tree canopy or a lot of dark pavement that just absorbs all that incoming solar radiation. So where do you see gaps in knowledge? I mean, what more is there to learn? Yeah, that's a great question, Dave. And I think we know some gaps and I think we are still learning about what those gaps are. You know, from a public health perspective, I think one of our current gaps is I think about, you know, my, my role at Washington County Public Health. Um, and I think about my colleagues in the other in the um, other public health departments in the region is I think we still have a tremendous information gap. And while Morgan, you know, I think alluded to that more people are aware of heat, I think there's still a little, you know, people still need more information on what to do um, and how they, and how we handle extreme heat events. Um, I think even, you know, just increasing messaging around helping our neighbors um, and checking in with folks and family members when we're experiencing extreme heat. I also think too, knowledge gaps is, you know, uh, strategies, like how effective strategies in the last couple of years that the state has funded, like portable AC units um, for low-income households, as well as the heat, heat pump program that's coming online from the Oregon Department of Energy, how effective those are. And in providing access to cooling, is that really helping to prevent those illness and deaths that we're seeing from the last um, extreme heat summers that we've had. Um, and I think too, you know, 
as you mentioned, the shade equity piece is I think knowledge gaps are, you know, how do we really effectively and equitably um, increase access to green spaces and green infrastructure and cooling pools like tree canopy, um, but also involve, you know, things related to building um, and those heat absorbing services that you were talking about. Uh, so I think there's a lot that we do know now, but definitely more that we could know. And I think that we're still learning and that we'll be continuing to learn over the next couple of years as we really try to implement some of these strategies. Trisha, what kinds of solutions are you hoping to see? I'm hoping, kind of like what's been said, is that this is a visual representation of where it's hot. And there's a lot of academia focus on where it's hot and the studies and the research, but that doesn't usually reach our frontline communities, folks who are taking the burden and the brunt of most of climate change's impacts. And so I'm hoping that this visual representation is just another way to make what we're experiencing more transparent. Um, so I'm hoping that'll happen, that the maps, I've seen some of the great things that Kappa Strategies has worked on, that those maps will be clear and shared with community and that there'll be more feedback from community of where they want cooling shelters, where we need more resources for AC, um, where there needs to be a focus to plant more trees. And I know that the county is working on community-driven climate planning. And so I'm hoping that that data will tie with this, with that project and get more um, solutions from our local government to help support that work. Um, so that's what I'm hoping will happen. And I'm, I am an engineer, so I do like maps and data. So I'm excited to see those. Morgan Sabo, the, the the mapping is just the first part of this national strategy. And the second part is to help communities come up with equitable cooling solutions. What are examples of solutions that you think have actually been effective in communities around the country? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have been doing this mapping since 2017. And again, working with Kappa Strategies uh, to be able to do this work. And since then, we've seen a lot of different strategies. And it's also really important to know that there is not one size fits all solution to urban heat islands. And every community takes a different approach because of so many different aspects, but also looking at populations that they're really concerned about. Uh, so for example, a, a great recent example uh, was Las Vegas, Nevada. So we mapped them back in 2022 and they saw by getting their data reports that a lot of uh, their bus stops were in some of the, were in a lot of the hottest areas of the city and so they were able to quickly get a federal grant to be able to add shading structures to their bus stops to be able to provide uh, relief to riders who were using the buses um, but additional examples include massive tree planting campaigns like in uh, Cincinnati Ohio I know is trying to get some tree planting off the ground Honolulu Hawaii is trying to plant 10,000 trees. Um, we've also seen a lot of the cities being able to add these mapping reports and greater educational campaigns to science museums. So with that, we've got Richmond, Virginia, uh, I know Boston uh, and Raleigh, North Carolina is also really looking to do that as well. And many cities have been able to use these data reports in their climate action plans or heat mitigation strategies like in Houston, Texas uh, and Seattle King County, which we mapped back in 2020, was able to create their first extreme heat mitigation strategy by using this data, too. So there's a lot of different things that people have been able to do with it. Kathleen Johnson, just briefly, Multnomah County recently released a new metric called the Heat Vulnerability Index. Is that something you're considering at Washington County? 
Yeah, thanks, Dave. It, it is. Um, you know, we have recently hired uh, staff at Washington County Public Health, uh, uh, an emergency preparedness and environmental health epidemiologist, as well as a data analyst. And since they're hiring, we've really been digging into our county-specific data and hope to be able to share a similar, um, a similar, if not tool, but data set to really help us inform our Washington County strategies. Dreesha, Morgan, and Kathleen, thanks very much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Dreesha Brannon is a volunteer with Multnomah County. Kathleen Johnson is Senior Program Coordinator at Washington County Public Health. And Morgan Zabo is Community Health and Information Coordinator for NOAA.